Okay. A little bit later in the episode, I'm going to tell you more about the hormone fixer because I know you're dying to know. This little bad boy supplement that I created, if I do say so myself, is amazing at so many things, so many benefits. So it raises your natural testosterone, ladies, that GSD hormone. It helps with weight loss. It helps improve insulin sensitivity. It helps with anti-aging. It increases your own growth hormone, the anti-aging hormone that helps with the wrinkles and the stamina, energy, focus, brain. It also helps with your mood and lowers your response to stress. So you're just going to have to wait a little bit more and we'll tell you more about it. The Hormone Fixer. Are you finally at your wits end where you are tired of dealing with doctor after doctor? Maybe you've spent thousands on integrative or functional practitioners that have not helped you at all because they don't know the thyroid and hormones. They're not even testing properly. So come work with myself and my team. We prescribe to all 50 states and parts of Canada. I have you covered. I've been building this team for years so that I could help you no matter where you are. All you have to do is click the link in the show notes, book a free application call. We're going to go over your current health situation, what worked, what hasn't worked, all the things. And then we will pair you up with the right program for you where we will do it all. You will come out the other side of the program, totally optimized, getting your life back. You're going to recognize the person you see in the mirror again. Doesn't that sound absolutely amazing? Well, it might sound... Like you don't even believe it, but I promise you, I promise you, we will take good care of you. So click the link in the show notes, book a call today, and we'll be talking to you soon. Thanks for listening to the Thyroid Fixer podcast with your host, me, Dr. Amy Horneman, aka the Thyroid Fixer. Also functional medicine practitioner, hormone and weight loss expert. We're talking all things thyroid, hormone, and health-related in order to empower, educate, and transform you. Remember, I fix your thyroid, I fix your hormones, I fix your life. So let's get started. But let me just lead with, and I will clarify it for you, food sensitivities are BS. What do I mean by that? Okay, let's break it down. Do I believe that nobody is sensitive to a food? No, absolutely not. What I mean are the functional tests that you are taking are complete waste of money bullshit. Now, I know a lot of practitioners like to see food sensitivities because when you take a test, you know, okay, 50 to 60% of it is going to pick up on foods that you are eating on a regular basis that can be causing some of your symptoms because why would you be taking food sensitivity tests unless you had a bunch of symptoms you're dealing with, right? So if you are dealing with migraines and bloating and acne and weight gain, then probably something that you're eating is contributing to it. I'm not saying that's the main cause, but something that you're eating is most likely contributing to it. But those tests are highly highly inaccurate. A colleague of mine years ago who had the means to do this actually used food sensitivity testing on himself, his family, and a lot of his patients. And he did this by testing them every single day for two weeks and noted that the results were all different every single day. Now, if you truly have a food sensitivity, 
how are you going to come up with a test that is different every single day? If you are truly sensitive to a food, that food should come out positive every single time you test. That is called reliability. That is why in scientific research, we rely on a certain value as a measure of reliability of our results. There has to be consistency in order for us to say, this causes this, or this results in X, Y, Z. You know, that's like saying, you know, my house is on fire and everybody's house is on fire. Everyone's house who has a fire, it's caused by lightning because lightning could strike a house and cause a fire. It doesn't make sense. There has to be reliability and consistency in order for us to say that this particular food causes you to have XYZ symptoms. Now, this is just in the testing. I will break this down so you can understand how maybe you can do some testing or elimination on your own. Now, there are certain foods that will 99% of the time come up as positive or that we know that you should be freaking avoiding anyways. Hello, gluten. Who of you out there should be eating gluten? Even if you don't have an autoimmune condition, why would you eat something that we know breaks down the gastrointestinal lining that actually causes leaky gut, that causes those, those tight junctions that if you think again, your, your GI tract mouth to bum is an enclosed system. We used to think that it was tile and grout. Now we know that it's actually tile and the grout is a swinging door. You know, like the old Western movies, you know, they, they, the cowboy would push in and the doors would swing back and forth. That's what is in between the grout in your GI tract. So when you eat gluten, it comes in. Now there are multiple other things that cause this too, but we're talking about gluten right now. When you eat gluten, it comes in and it causes leaky gut by pushing those doors open. When gluten or any antigen or any lipopolysaccharide, LPS, that's what we term it in the functional community here, gets into the bloodstream. That's what causes full body systemic inflammation and can actually cause the symptoms that you are experiencing. Now, a lot of people think of leaky gut as having diarrhea. It's not. And if you really want to laugh and you want to learn more about leaky gut, look, listen to Alessio Fasano. He cracks me up, cracks me up. And, and he says just that, you know, you see, you use the term leaky gut, it's like people are running around pooping all day long. They can't keep it in. No, that's not it. That can be one of the symptoms, but that's not the symptom. So the lipopolysaccharides come in and they push that door open. They get into your bloodstream and you can have a host of symptoms. In addition to GI gut symptoms, you can have migraines. You can have your thyroid gland affected, your sex hormones affected, your adrenals affected, your skin affected. Anything in the body can be affected by inflammation, diabetes, insulin resistance. It's all tied back to inflammation. So why in the world would you want to eat gluten anyways? You really want to test for it to see if you maybe can eat it. Okay, what if it doesn't come back positive? Does that mean you're going to slam some gluten down your throat and then just deal with the consequences afterwards? I mean, that might be your choice and that is your choice, but you have to realize that there are consequences to choices. So I don't really believe that we even need to test for gluten, do we now? Now, there are the biggies, right? They're, they're the big bad guys out there that we can just rattle off that I don't need to see on paper 
to tell you to avoid them. Gluten's a big one. Soy is a big one. For those who are very gluten sensitive, celiac, autoimmune, corn is a big one. I know. I know. I just dropped a ball on you. I know. Okay. So let me tell you this story about a very dear friend of mine and my right-hand woman that I can't do without. She actually just told me last week, right? She suffers from migraines all the time. And for those of you in our inner circle, you know, we've discussed this about getting Botox for your migraines. I keep trying to talk her into it and different migraine medications and, and migraines are a big deal. You know, sometimes they change as our hormones change and sometimes they just stick around and they don't get any better. She thought on her own, I don't take credit for this. I take zero credit for this. She thought on her own, you know what? And, and, and this had to do with her traveling too. She said, I'm going to cut out three things. Now, why she picked these three, I don't know. I, I still would cry if I was, if chocolate gave me migraines, but it does for some people. She cut out chocolate, she cut out coffee, she cut out her favorite corn chips. Yes, even organic. Yes, even organic corn. Cut that out, migraines went away. So now, and this is the perfect example of what I want you to do instead of wasting money on a food sensitivity panel, eliminates, right? So this is your first little inside peek at how to actually test yourself. So the big ones. So she, well, let me digress. She eliminated it. Her migraines are gone. Now we have to add one back in. Now, personally, I say, you know, it, okay, so she's using Four Sigmatic Coffee right now. I would probably try to add in my coffee first. It would be a really close tie between coffee and chocolate. Mm, I'd probably do the coffee first. So use some Four Sigmatic. Put that back in. That's what she was using before. And Four Sigmatic is a blend of, it's, it's a mushroom-based coffee. So there's not that really high jittery side effect. The caffeine content is 50 milligrams as opposed to 200 in a regular cup of coffee. So the caffeine content is down. You get the benefits of the mushrooms. We have, we have a, a discount code on the website, on my website, under my favorite things. You can go on there, click Four Sigmatic and get the discount code. That would be the first thing that I would add back in because coffee is not on the high inflammatory, high reactivity list of food sensitivities. So I, I would probably add that back in first. Chocolate for those who have migraines can be because of the caffeine content. There's more caffeine in chocolate than there is in four stigmatic coffee. So that might be it. But coffee, that chocolate, that dark chocolate has so many antioxidant properties. I'm thinking it's the corn thinking it's the corn. So gluten, wheat, oats, barley, rye, corn, soy for all of you, especially my listeners. Come on. Soy is so inflammatory. It's very estrogenic and it's horrible for the thyroid. So that should go. Do you really need a test for me to say, please avoid soy because your thyroid is not going to like it whatsoever? And if you're a menopausal woman and you're using soy isoflavones because you heard it was really good for your estrogen levels, do anything else but do actual bioidentical hormone replacement therapy. You know, support your hormones that way. Don't use soy, soy milk, soy. And vegans out there, you are loaded down with soy. You vegan vegetarians, you're not getting in enough amino acids anyways. And then you throw soy in the mix with your fake burgers and your fake meat and your soy protein and your soy milk and your edamame. 
you're wondering why you're breaking out. It's like you're pushing your your levels into like prepubescent territory and you're tanking your thyroid at the same time. Don't hate, you can be ketotarian. Soy is a big one, gluten, oat, wheat, barley, rye, corn, soy. Those are the biggies. Now you'll have some people test positive for eggs in a food sensitivity panel. And usually those are testing positive because you're eating them all the time. So back when I did my first food sensitivity panel with my mentor, and a lot of times we would just test just for you know shits and giggles just to see what happened. I mean, really, just to see, well, hey, what, what, what's coming up on my test? That's actually how I found out I have Epstein-Barr virus. It was a shit and giggle test. I'm like, yeah, I always tell people to test for EBV. Let's see. I didn't have any symptoms. And there it was. It's dormant. It's cool. It's fine. So I tested and I came back positive for eggs. Well, this is when I was competing. Duh. I was eating like five, six eggs a day. So, because that's part of the standard competition diet. So, of course, it came back positive. And even my mentor, loving the death, said, well, um, you know, you don't have to cut them out. Why don't you just not eat them every day? Just throw them in every once in a while. Eggs are a biggie, usually because you're eating them a lot. Now, they can be inflammatory. For, so, for those of you with autoimmune conditions, eggs are one that you, but you probably know it. You don't need it on a piece of paper. Any of my patients that say, I can't eat eggs. Hey, well, how do you know? Well, 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 yeah, whenever I eat them, this is what happens. So they know they've already done what I'm going to tell you to do in putting in and taking out, putting in and taking out. And they know how they react to it, right? That's what my friend's going to do. She can put it back in one thing at a time. See if she reacts. Does she get a migraine or not? And you want to put it back in and wait. So it's not like, okay, Monday, I'm going to put in some four sigmatic coffee and Tuesday I'm tossing in the chocolate. No, you got to give your body time to actually react to it and produce a symptom. And if it does, then, you know, check, check the box. That was it. So eggs, you can pretty much tell. I mean, my people that know they're sensitive to eggs, they, they know and didn't need it on paper that they're sensitive to eggs. Dairy. Yeah. Dairy's the next one. Some of us can tolerate dairy just fine. Now, I'm not going to get the numbers proper because I would have to actually look it up. But I do know, and I've mentioned this before when I have the numbers in front of me, I do know that the Asian population and the Black population do not have the enzyme necessary to digest lactose. Like We see a huge lactose intolerance huge amount of lactose intolerance in those two ethnicities. Then as we come down, you know, into like European, Swedish, you know, all that, like, like Eastern European, that's, uh, I want to say, see, I'm not going to get the numbers right. I really want to say it's about 30% of the population have the enzyme genetically to die just lactose. Some of us can handle, and here's the thing with lactose, Lactose is very, very present in your milk products, like milk, <laughs> like, like milk, like cottage cheese, like ice cream. So, you know, when you have a bowl of cereal and you're using the milk and you get all gassy and you start farting for the next two hours, that is your body really struggling to digest lactose. Now, if that's your only symptom, you're lucky, but chances are, you're going to break out, you're going to get a headache, you're not going to feel too well. 
And it might kick up some autoimmune too. Some of you get some autoimmune flares. Like we know gluten, 100%. Autoimmune, no, no. If you're autoimmune, you should not touch gluten whatsoever. But with dairy, it's like, uh, maybe, maybe not. So if you read Dr. Peter Osborne's book, No Grain, No Pain, he talks a ton about corn. He talks a lot about dairy as one of those things that must be cut out in addition to gluten. Some people, however, can tolerate the low lactose dairy, meaning your hard cheeses. And that's where I would want you to focus on the grass-fed versions, the non-hormonal grass-fed versions of cheese, like Kerrygold cheddar, you know, organic raw milk cheese. And then you can even get into like the sheep cheese and the goat cheese, because those don't have the same lactose component that cow-based cheeses do. So there, sheep and goat are very much closer to human breast milk, meaning that we have those enzymes to digest it. Now, some people will still react to it. I know there's going to be a few listeners out there that's like, oh, no, no, I can't do that goat cheese. No, or you just might not like it. But most of the time you can use the hard cheddars and then the goat cheeses. Now, when it comes to yogurt, people will argue with me on this. This is going to be trial and error. I saw one study that tested multiple yogurts out on the market. Now, this does not include like the Siggies and, you know, the top-notch organic yogurts or even the almond or coconut-based yogurts. This was the true cow milk yogurts, tested them and saw that there was basically no live active cultures whatsoever. So you're not getting that fermentation benefit. So whenever a food is fermented, we naturally digest it better, most of us. With yogurt, you really want that, those live cultures in there, both for the probiotic benefit and for the digestive component to help you digest that particular form of dairy. Now, and again, I'm not a big yogurt eater. I've been kind of a little bit on a kick on Siggy's because I'm trying to increase my protein, but And that's one way to do it in addition to whole body collagen and protein powder. But I tolerate it. I I get zero, zero symptoms whatsoever. If you don't tolerate it, don't eat it. Let's use common sense. Use common sense. So when it comes to making, let's say, some keto recipes and you see something with a block of cream cheese and mozzarella cheese and cheddar cheese on top, might be too much dairy. Might be. But again, I don't need a test to tell me that this dairy Fs me up inside, man. Don't want to be around me. Do an elimination. Give it a try. If you really think that you were sensitive to dairy, take it out. Totally out. 100% out. I mean out. Cheese, gone. Bam, gone. No yogurt, no cheese. You got to watch those keto creamers because those can be cream-based You got to switch over to the nut-based creamers, take it out, put it back in one at a time. I would start with the hard cheese because it's very well tolerated. Raw milk hard cheese, raw dairy is actually more tolerated as well, kind of in the same lines of the fermented. So put in some raw dairy, raw cheese, raw hard cheese, see how you tolerate it. And again, when we add these things back in, it's not do it for two days and then give me a bowl of ice cream. It's do it for a week or two or three, usually about two, and then we see how you react. And if you're not reacting very well, well, then that's 
guess what? That's free advice right there. That's your body giving you some free information that you didn't have to test for with a pretty inaccurate test. So those are the big ones. And then we get, I know you're sitting there going, well, my food sensitivity test said that I was sensitive to almonds. Well, give it a try. If you're, if you're, if you're cooking or baking with almond flour, take it out. Use something like a tiger nut flour, coconut flour. I know it's not exactly the same. Coconut flour is a bitch to bake with, but take it out. Maybe just don't bake things with almond flour for a while. Put it back in. See how you respond. I know there's this whole thing going on right now with, uh, oh gosh, what are they even called? Whatever almonds have in them, whatever they are. People are like avoiding things. They're in spinach too. And, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't really load down on the spinach that much. I don't, I don't load down on the spinach. I like my almond flour, but a lot of people say to avoid those foods. I say use them in moderation because if we're doing something like a low carb diet and you have to use something like almond flour, man, that's really nice to have that alternative. But only you know whether you react to it or not. FODMAPs, that's another fad. Low FODMAP diet, low FODMAP diet. Try it out. I've had patients come to me on a low FODMAP diet and they are miserable as hell. And wow, it turned out that you had celiac disease and you didn't need to go low FODMAP. You just needed to cut out the gluten. 100% across the board. And I'm talking, you have to look for the gluten that's in your beauty products, that's in your lunch meat, that's in these weird wackadoodle places that you would never expect to see gluten, but you have to look for it. Those are the big ones. Those are the big, big, big ones. My goal is for you to not be miserable and for you to save money. That's why I'm giving you this message right now. If you're going to spend money on a functional test, Spend it on a GI map. Spend it on a cortisol panel. Don't spend it on a food sensitivity panel unless your practitioner orders it for you and he or she sees a reason for it because maybe you guys are working together and da, da, da. But don't go out and spend your own money at like Everly Well and, and, and think that you're going to get accurate data and then be able to change your diet because you're not going to know on that panel whether this is a true, oh my gosh, this is a sensitivity, this ties into exactly the symptoms and the issues that I have, or is this just coming up high because, hey, I eat it every day and it's picking up on the fact that I'm eating it every single day. Save your money, save your money. Food sensitivity panels, testing, mostly BS. So the elimination diet, we talked about it a couple of different times so far. It's about pulling foods out that you believe might be the culprits, pulling out the big boys. And don't add back in gluten and see if you react to it, by the way. Don't add back in oat, wheat, barley, and rye because those all contain gluten. But you definitely can take out eggs, add eggs back in. Take out corn, see if you react, add those back in. Take out almonds if you want. You can't pull away my CFA almond flour wraps. That's how I make my kick-ass enchiladas can't take that away, but pull them out, put them back in, see if you actually react, save your money and do some self-experimenting. Now, this is going to take a little bit more of your time, but it's going to be more accurate because why? 
you know your body. You know your body better than anyone, and you know what you react to and what you don't react to. Now, there's a difference between a sensitivity and an allergy. I'm not saying that if you have a peanut allergy or a shellfish allergy to go out and try to eat those because that's an anaphylactic reaction. We don't want that. A sensitivity is just that. It's a little bit of a, I'm a little bit sensitive to that. I might have some gas. I might have some bloating, kind of like when we were talking about the lactose. Yeah, I always ask, ask people, when you eat ice cream, do you get bloated? Does your stomach get distended? Is it a little bit uncomfortable for a while? Do you have to lay in the fetal position and push out some gas? Well, you're not dealing with it that well. That is a sensitivity. You're not in the hospital. You don't need an EpiPen. That is an allergy. That's the difference between food sensitivities and allergies. If you have a food sensitivity, then yes, by removing that food, you will see symptoms improve. When you add that food in or you accidentally add it in, then you will experience symptoms. They're not going to be life-threatening. They're not going to require us to take you to the hospital. You're just going to have the symptoms that are very uncomfortable to remind you that that food mm, is the culprit. Now, if it's something like migraines, right, you're going to know. As soon as she adds back in her corn chips, she's going to know if that's the culprit after two or three weeks of just adding that back in. I bet you that's it. So you find out that that's it. Migraines come back. You take the corn out. Give your body time to adjust. So then you got to give it another couple of weeks. Balance, balance, balance. Now we go, okay, well, let's see. Let's see if it was the four stigmatic coffee. Add that back in. Add that back in for a couple of weeks. Reaction, no reaction. Yes, no. Add in, take out. You decide based on the reaction. So you do this with each food grouping. And if you're going to do it, you have to do it right. So if you're going to take out corn, that means you have to be looking on labels. This is not just removal of your corn chips. This is removal of things that contain corn, that contain canola oil, which you shouldn't be eating anyways, because it's garbage. Canola oil alone causes inflammation and insulin resistance. Canola oil is worse than sugar. So you're taking these things out, but you have to take them all out. So you can't say, I'm going to avoid my corn chips but I'm going to use cornmeal to bread my chicken because it's gluten-free. No, no, no. You have to take it all out and see how your body reacts and then put it back in and see how your body reacts. That is the most accurate way of testing for food sensitivities because you know your body better than anyone. You can certainly ask a guide and maybe you do need some gut healing if you're responding to a lot of different foods, if you are reacting, if you are sensitive to a lot of different foods, then you might need to do some gut healing protocols. We might need to, to, to shore up those swinging doors in the saloon, make them stay shut a little bit more. So you might need some healing of the gut lining. This does not mean taking a probiotic every single day. There's more to it than that. You might need a little bit of gut healing, but it does not mean that you're going to be miserable. Last story, last story before I let you go. This just came to me. I personally had a patient, so I told you about my colleague. I had a patient years ago who came to me with a food sensitivity test. And I swear to God, I think this was done at Cleveland Clinic. So you guys know, I always say, all y'all out there, 
think that these big clinics with very popular reputations, and I'm not saying they're bad, they're amazing for certain conditions. Listen, if I, if I get the big C, I'm going to Moffitt, I'm going to Mayo, you know, Cleveland Clinic. They're great, but people will go there and think that they are, are the BL end all. So I'm pretty sure that this test was done at Cleveland Clinic Functional Medicine Department. And it was this huge food sensitivity panel. This poor dude was literally marked sensitive to everything. I can't even remember what he wasn't marked sensitive for. He basically came in saying, listen, I can't, what do I eat? I can't eat anything. Look, I'm sensitive to everything. I said, well, you know, not that I'm a fan of food sensitivity testing, but let's just, let's test again. Let's just test it again. I kid you not. His next test came back with not one single food marked as sensitive, not one. So he went from this list, this, this detrimental, depressing, my God, what can I eat list of I'm sensitive to everything to, well, actually in reality, I'm not sensitive to anything, but you know, since there was autoimmune present there, we, we took out the big bad boys. We took out the gluten we took out the bad boys, but he didn't have to remove strawberries and alfalfa and almonds and radishes and peaches and everything that came back positive on his test. Inaccurate. I will leave you with that. Send me the hate mail. Send me the, the hate messages down below. That's fine. You might be standing on your pedestal, loving your food sensitivity testing, but then keep doing it. Then keep doing it. If that's working for you, keep doing it. But in the interest of most of my peeps who want to save some money, figure it out yourself because you can. Hey guys, thank you so much for listening to the podcast. I hope you loved it. And as always, if you would be so kind to leave a review, if you are listening on Apple Podcasts, that would be absolutely amazing. I read all of them. Also, anything that you hear on this podcast is not intended to diagnose or treat any kind of medical condition. So we always recommend that you check with your medical provider, your doctor, your nurse practitioner before implementing anything that you hear on this podcast. And if you want to find out more about working together, you can click the link below in the show notes to book a discovery call. And there you'll be talking to a member of my team. They are an extension of me. They are amazing. And you and I will talk after that once we get you all signed up and you and I get to work together. All right. I hope to see you soon. So now that you've heard all about the hormone fixer, I'm going to give you a challenge. If you actually listened to this podcast all the way to the end and you're still listening, you can use the code thyroidfix10. T-H-Y-R-O-I-D-F-I-X-1-0. Thyroid Fix 10 and get 10% off my store. This is only for people that listened all the way to the end. I want to know what you think about my products. Make sure you let me know. Love y'all.